Awesome. Give it up for our volunteers. Yeah. Hey, you can do better than that. Come on, give it up for the volunteers. Nice and loud. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're so awesome, and I know that a bunch of you guys sitting here uh, right now are part of one of our incredible serving teams here at City. And man, it takes an army to uh, get this happening week in and week out, everything that happens in the life of the church. Uh, I heard uh, an incredible stat uh, this week that um, we currently have just under 200 people serving on a regular roster at this church. How awesome is that? 200 of you uh, put in your hand, uh, put in your hand to the plow. Uh, on one of our teams, and that ranges from our hospitality teams to our next-gen teams to our creative departments uh, and city group leading and hosting. The, the list is endless. And so absolutely incredible, and we thank every single one of you so, so much uh, who is currently serving. Uh, and now for the other news is that can you believe it? Uh, that for this church in 2022, uh, going forward into all that we believe God has for us, and God willing, we're going to continue to gather uh, in person like this, and welcome to everyone online. We're going to continue to work online. We've got a whole department behind me over here that runs online so that we can have our online community gathering. There's so many things going on. This year, we actually need 100 more volunteers in this church uh, to make it happen. Uh, and so I want to say to you, if you're here today and you're not currently on one of our teams, it's really an incredible thing for you to do. And so my encouragement uh, to you is, and I've been saying this for two and a half years now, uh, that this is the house of God, not the hotel of God. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. Yes. What happens in the house? Everybody uh, contributes, right? And so uh, this coming week in my household, the Hodgson household, there's a new addition to the family. Now, don't get too excited. It's a, it's a puppy. I should, have, I should have brought a picture. We're getting a puppy. It's a Labradoodle. It's so cute. So newborn uh, little Labradoodle. I think she's eight. I think she's eight weeks when we get her in the week. So she's coming into the house. Now, much excitement, uh, especially with the kids. And I had to burst their bubble a little bit to let them know that, hey, when there's a new member of the family who comes in, there's added, who comes in, there's added responsibility. And so the kids need to realize that there's going to be some things that they're going to need to put their hand to with this new puppy. And so there's feeding the puppy and looking after the puppy. Hello, row three. Hey, we got some evening people here tonight, uh, this, this morning. Wow, where are we? So this puppy, uh, picking up poo. Now listen, there's, there's some jobs that are better than others, I mean. Uh, they're all different, but every uh, one needs to put their hand to the plow. And that's the same in this house. And so as we continue to grow, as we're moving forward in everything that God has for us, uh, for everything that we do here in person, for everything that we do online, uh, there is much work to do. And so I want to say that if you're a partner with us here, I would really just want to encourage you this morning to put up your hand and say, hey, I'm going to get myself involved. It's generally a once a month commitment on one of our many teams. And so I'm going to ask you straight after this gathering, just go through here into our next steps area where you'll be able to see a full list of all the different areas where you're able to serve. Uh, find one that's good for you. We'll get you plugged in. Uh, and it will be absolutely the best thing that you can do is together we move the church forward in 2022. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited about that. And a warm welcome from my side to uh, you guys. If you are new here, our guests visiting for the baby dedication, so good to have you with us this morning. I pray that you'd have a good time with us. 
All right, we are currently uh, in Acts, and uh, if you've been journeying with us over the past few weeks, uh, which I really hope you have, you'll know that we're moving through Acts for the entire year. We're in the book for the whole year. We interspersed that with other series, but we're really going to be diving into the book of Acts. And if you've missed any so far this year, I would really encourage you to go onto YouTube and catch up. It is definitely worth your while uh, to catch up over the past three weeks in Acts. And today we're in part four. Everybody say part Part four. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to read. So we've all left us last week. It was uh, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had come down. Uh, and we're picking up now, uh, actually, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to, 40, uh, 42 to 47. That's right. Um, and it's really the birth of the church. This is the original church plant. When the church first started, it happened right here in Acts. And so we are going to read together Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45 tells us they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. All right. And so uh, I'm going to come back to it just now. But in most versions of this is the ESV. In most versions of the Bible, the word continually is actually in there. So they devoted themselves or they continually devoted themselves to this list of things. And I think that's a really important word and I'm going to come back to it in a moment as to why I believe it is so important. So uh, being involved in church and in ministry uh, for as long as I have, uh, Taryn and I this year, 16 years in full-time ministry, uh, and before that, many years of serving, volunteering, being on teams in churches and so forth, and it's been an absolutely incredible journey uh, for us to be on. But over the years, uh, I have come to realize, and I've seen my fair share of things not always going completely perfectly within the church, all right? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I cannot testify to that. (laughs) It's likely that the most of us, most Christians, probably somewhere along the line, in some context, in some church, somewhere along the line, probably would have had a less than pleasant or negative experience within their local church. You know, it's things like the pastor who runs away with the worship leader. It happens. It's difficult. There's leaders who lead from a place of anger or a place from dominance and they, they cause hurt or there's too much gossip going on or there's, there's bullying going on. All of these things lead to significant hurt amongst people within the context of a local church. And over the years as I've seen this and I've experienced some of it myself and helped other people work through some of the hurt that they've experienced, it didn't take me long to realize that the church sure ain't perfect. Amen. And now maybe this is going to be a light bulb moment for some of you. The church sure isn't perfect because it's made up of people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at you. (laughs) 
It's made up of people like you and it's made up of people like me. And if you're looking for the perfect church, I just want you to know this morning you're not going to find it. There is no perfect church because we're full of humans. And as humans, we're broken. And as humans, we're imperfect. And as humans, we're fallible at best. That's what makes up the church. And I'm, I'm so sorry if you're sitting here and you're feeling like this is a severely depressing sermon today. It's getting better, I promise you. <laughs> just being real, amen? Because here's the thing, even though I've witnessed my own fair share of negative experiences within the church, even though I've sat with others and worked through some of their pain that they've experienced in the church, something that I've always known right from the moment when I was saved and I felt called to lead in the local church, is that I knew that the church doesn't have to be that way. I, I really do, when I read passages like what we've read here in Acts, I can see that the church can be this glorious and godly and exciting place where the Lord's presence is felt and where God is moving and where God is at work. Amen. The church can be that because I know that God, that Jesus himself has promised that he will build his church. And so if Jesus is building his church, then I want to be part of that. Amen. In a nutshell, that's why I'm a pastor. That's why I gave my life to this work because I believe that Jesus said, I'm building my church. I want to be part of that and I want to be part of the building of God's church. Now, this section here that we've read in, in Acts chapter 2 actually gives us a very nice snapshot of what a healthy church can and should look like. Uh, it's, it's the first ever church plant, the birth of the church after Pentecost has happened. And also, just so that you know, it wasn't the perfect church either. You'll find out as we go along, we'll see some of the things that also went wrong in this early church. And it also wasn't the perfect church. Why? Because it was also filled with people. That's the nature of it. And the, the, the truth of the matter is, even though it wasn't perfect, we can see that God was at work amongst them. He was at work in their midst. What we're learning here in, in Acts as we travel through it and what we've seen is that Acts is a record of what Jesus continued to do after he ascended through his people. And what we see here on the birth of the church is that he calls 3,000 people to himself. 3,000 people got saved. And so the church began with 3,120 members. Can you believe it? That's how it started. And verse uh, 47 says, the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. How awesome is that? And so the series that we're in is called Revival. And we called it Revival because uh, we've explained that revival just means new significance being placed on ancient truth. New significance on ancient truth. And so this ancient revival that happened has significance for us today as we long to see revival happen amongst us even today. And it's a snapshot that shows us the marks of a healthy local church so that we can measure ourselves against what that looks like and we can follow its example. And so this morning in the time that I've got left, I don't have a lot of time left, but I'm going to jump into three signs of a healthy local church, and we're going to dive into it. The, the three signs is that a healthy church is marked by, number one, a continual devotion to God. Number two, it's marked by a continual devotion to people. And then number three, it's marked by a continual devotion to mission. We see these are all priorities in the OG church. And OG stands for original. Just letting you guys know. 
uh, in case you don't know what I'm talking about right now. The original church. So here we go. Number one, a healthy church is marked by a continual devotion to God himself. You see, what was so central and so pivotal to this original local church after it was birthed is that everything was centered around the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It was all about Jesus. It was completely centered on him. Everything about this church was about the fact that there was a risen Jesus who was the Savior. And there was such an intense and massive devotion that had been placed on this amazing news of Jesus. And so that word continually, and this is why I love it so much, when you say that they were continually devoted, it means that it was a constant devotion. It was a purposeful devotion. It was a faithful devotion to Jesus. And that's why I love that so much. It doesn't start and have an end date. It's continual, and it needs to be continual uh, in our context today. And so there's, there's a few ways that we see this continual devotion to God taking place here in Acts. The first way, devotion to God, means devotion to God's word. Verse 42, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, when I read about this 3,000 new converts, 3,000 now being saved in one moment, uh, can you, I, I, I thought about it and I thought, I wonder if, as a pastor of a church, is that my wildest dream come true? 3,000 brand new Christians, all like that. Or is it maybe my worst nightmare? I'm not sure. <laughs> because you see, these are 3,000 people that are coming from many different backgrounds, many different locations. And it's not just for us, John from up the road who joined, left their church and joined this church and whatever the case is. This was three, imagine, three, just so you know, there's 140 of you sitting in the room right now. 3,000, and they're brand new salvations. They know nothing, and it's now our responsibility to help them in this. I think that here, these 3,000 people, they might have had some biblical knowledge, some biblical background, but they, had, they knew nothing about Jesus. They knew nothing about the person of Jesus or the ministry of Jesus. This was brand new for them, and so I think that the apostles over here had a massive job on their hand with these 3,000 people. They needed to ground these people in their faith, get them going on their journey uh, of the faith as they returned home. You know, I think that in this day and age that we're in now, it's very possible for the church to minimize or even disregard sound doctrine. I think it's, it can happen so easily. It's so often for the church to minimize just being committed to the pure and simple teaching of God's word as it is, full stop. We're living in this time, but when you read what Paul wrote in Timothy and Titus as he wrote to his younger pastors, you find him emphasizing again and again the need for sound doctrine. In fact, in his very final appeal to Timothy, Paul gives the strongest charge possible. He can't put it any clearer. In 2 Timothy, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. <laughs> Everybody say, preach the word. It's so simple. In fact, that passage is called preach the word in the Bible. It's so abundantly clear. But he goes on to warn Timothy that actually there will be a time that is going to come where people will not endure sound doctrine. 
He says that they will start looking for teachers who just tell them what they want to hear. I don't know if any of you can attest to what this is, but I want to say as a side note right now, not even as a side note, as a priority, may we never be a church that just preaches what you want to hear. Amen? I want to always be a church that just preaches God's word and God's word alone, full stop. That is us. That is who we are going to be as a church. May we never be a church that's just preaching what you want to hear, but we stick in to God's word. You see, a healthy church, what we see over here, needs to be devoted, continually devoted to God's word. And why do we need to be so devoted to God's word? Because he has chosen to reveal himself to us through his word. That is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And so a devotion on a continual basis is of such importance uh, to us. That's why we do it. That is why we preach like we do here at City. That is why we take a whole book of the Bible and we take it for the whole year because we want to preach it as it is. And we know that there is so much for you from everywhere in the Bible. So devotion to God's word is not only imperative in these corporate times together, but also in your own personal life. And I just want to encourage you this morning to prioritize being devoted to God's word in your own personal lives as well. You know, if we're not continually growing, if we're not continually understanding and applying the truth of God's word in our own lives, that means we're not going to be growing in our devotion to the Lord. And so an encouragement together, let's be devoted to the word. In your own personal lives, be devoted to the word. The second thing we see is devotion to God means devoted to corporate worship. Corporate worship, you see, the thing is preaching of God's word should result in worship. Isn't that the point? When we preach God's word, it should result in worship of God, an encounter with God himself. That's what true worship is, when we have an encounter with God himself. But what we see here is in addition to this, in addition to the apostles' teaching, there were several other aspects of worship that we see here uh, that were taking place that we can look at. The first one that we see uh, that they do as corporate worship is the Lord's Supper. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. It's the Lord's Supper. It's what we call communion. And you know, when we do communion here at church, when we set a time, uh, set time aside uh, to do communion and so once a month, it, it should never become a routine thing. It should never just become a thing that happens once a month and we go through the motions and we continue and now we've got the little plastic COVID-friendly communion cups and the taste's funny and we don't like how it tastes. Hey, the last batch that we've got tastes different. Has anybody else noticed that? I think they fixed the formula that they've had long enough. Uh, they've had two years. Whew. Hey, maybe one of these days, maybe one of these days we're going to go back to those normal glasses and I don't know. We'll have to see. But this is the thing. It's not just routine when we celebrate communion together. It's worship. And when we take the Lord's Supper together, when we have these moments of communion together over here, it should remind us of the greatest truth in the world, that Jesus, the Son of God, loved us so much that he gave himself for me so that I can stand here forgiven and that I can be reconciled to him. How amazing is it? And so those are times of communion, uh, you know, not routine, but absolute joy and gratitude for everything that Jesus has done in my life. It's worship. 
It's another aspect of worship that we see here. Another one that we see is prayer. The text literally reads, they were continually devoting themselves to the prayers. Okay? So here at City, whether it's corporate times of prayer, when we have bigger corporate prayer meetings together, or whether it's prayer in your groups, uh, whether it's prayer in your home, what I want to say this morning is that prayer needs to be something that is woven into the very fabric of everything that we are as a church. It should be of utmost priority that we use prayer as a form of worship unto God. Even our singing, like when we were singing here earlier, Our singing is like prayers that we're lifting up to God as we sing together, as we bring Him worship. It's prayers that we bring into Him. And once again, in your own life, in your personal life, in your family life, it's the same thing. Prayer should be a normal, frequent occurrence that happens all the time. Uh, Taryn uh, Tomlinson did a parenting initiative with us uh, uh, sometime last year, and she taught us something so valuable, all the parents in the room. She calls it prayer robots, and when you're driving your kids to school, identify a robot, and when you stop at that robot, you say, are we going to pray together as a family on the way to school? And Taryn and I have been doing that with our kids ever since, and it's a remarkable way of keeping prayer as something that's just woven into the fabric of your day-to-day life as a family. Prayer acknowledges our total dependence on the living Lord, and that is why it is so important uh, to keep that front and center. And so prayer, and then the third one, the third aspect of worship that we see here that we really need to learn to emulate is joy. Joy, they said here in chapter 2, verse 46, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. How awesome is that? Glad and generous. How many of you this morning want to have a glad and generous heart? I want to be somebody that is known as someone who has a glad and generous heart. Their lives were marked with joy because of what Jesus had done for them. Because of what Jesus had just done on the cross, their lives are now marked with joy. And so there's no doubt that their times together, their corporate times together as this brand new church, must have been marked with much joy. But I also think that joy must have been oozing out of the cracks of their daily lives, drawing other people into that source of joy. It's so, so important. And I think that the only way that you and I can develop that type of joy in our lives, and let's be honest, what we've been through, what the world's been through over the past few years, it's it's difficult. Because here in Colossians 3 verse 1, I think it gives us a bit of an answer of how we can develop this. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's talking about putting your mind on the things of God. You know, as I look around this room, I can see many people who have gone through many difficult times over the past two years, but who have chosen nonetheless to set their minds on things above, to keep their minds on Jesus. And it's something that you need to do if you're going to develop a joyful life. As you set your minds on things above, you know that God has not failed you, God has not left you, and that God will never leave you in the future as well. And it causes us to be able to live this life of great joy and generous hearts. Even in the Psalms, I absolutely love it. You know, these poor psalmists, they're so often in dire situations. <laughs> it teaches us what it's like to, to live this life. But here, even David, in Psalm 57, verse 7, 
He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. I will sing and make melody. How many of you would love to be someone who knows how to sing and make melody? Uh, Sometimes when I stand next to you in church, not everyone knows how to make melody. (laughs) Now, I'm not talking about Laurie Lowe's next to you this morning. Lolly's got a good voice. When you're a pastor, you've got to be able to sing. You, even, if you just can, even if you can just shout on key, because you know that day is going to come when there's no power and the band can't help you and you've got to sing a song or something like that. Oh, no. Anyway, I'm going to stick to my notes here. But that's... David. David's in the cave running away from a madman. He's running away from King Saul. But even in the caves of life, God's people must resolve to be people of praise and joy, even in the caves of life. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching this morning, and you're saying, Simon, I am in a cave of life right now. Oh, let me tell you, there are many who are in a cave right now. There's many over the past two years that have been in a cave, and I have watched as people have learned to put their eyes on things above and keep their eyes and their attention, their hearts fixed on Jesus and have been able to live through these caves with great joy and with praise on their lips. And so this is the first mark that we see of a healthy church, a continual devotion to God. It's continual because it's deliberate. It's deliberately resolving to say, I'm going to be in your word, God, and I'm going to be in worship of you. That's the first sign. Is that good this morning? All right, we're moving on. Uh, The second sign of a healthy church is that a healthy church is marked by a continual devotion to people. To people. Even those of us who are weak and fallible and broken. Uh, We're devoted to each other. Amen? We need to be. And so, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the fellowship. Here's the thing. We can't be devoted to the head, Jesus. Okay, we're all devoted to Jesus, yes. But we can't say we're devoted to the head, but at the same time, we want to cut ourselves off from the body. It can't happen. It can't happen. You can't love the head and hate the body. You know, Jesus even said that, the, that, that we are his bride. And so it's impossible. You know, uh, Keegan's still there, yes. Uh, there at the camera, Keegan, that's one of our new interns this year. Give him a hello. That would be like Keegan going on a date with a young lady and saying to the young lady, well, you've got a pretty face, but your body's average. Can you imagine? It would be the last date Keegan ever has with that girl, and she'll tell all her friends as well, so Keegan will be without anyone for the rest of his life. <laughs> Keegan is single, I think, right? Keegan? Just say, Keegan has never done that. I'm using him as an example. He's awesome. But can you imagine? It's like saying, I like your face, but not your body. You can't do that. Because Jesus himself says, you know, the thing is, even the, the body might not be as lovely as the face. This is the truth. The body might not be as amazing as the head, which is Jesus Christ himself. But even so, the Bible commands us not to forsake gathering together with other believers. Hebrews 10, 25. And there's many, many verses all over the Bible that exhort us to bear with one another, 
to forgive one another because we will often offend each other and we'll often get offended by each other. That's just what the body does. We can't forsake the gathering together. What does this mean to be devoted to this fellowship? Um, there's a Greek word, kononia. Uh, it's on the screen. What, what kononia means in the Greek is to share in common. To share in common. And in verse 44, it says, All those who believed were together and had all things in common. And that phrase of togetherness gets repeated. It states that the Lord was added into that number as people were getting saved. And so verse 46 is highlighting this thing of togetherness. It says that they were of one mind when they took meals together. And so being devoted to each other, being devoted to the fellowship, being devoted to togetherness is, uh, is so important. Um, be, uh, where am I? I need to stick to my notes. Um, you know, God's saving people and he's adding people. And this is where, in case you're wondering, we get some of our steps. This is where we get the steps language from. You might recognize it. Being saved and added, built, full purpose. This is where it all comes from. The original church here in Acts. So fellowship, so important. How do we have this fellowship? Number one, to have fellowship, you must be together. You've got to be together to have the fellowship. You can't have fellowship if you're not together with the church. Now, I know we've been through the last two years of COVID, and there's been times when we've been able to be together like this, which God willing, it's so awesome, and we're going to continue to grow like this, and at the same time, continue to grow online, because that's, you know, you can't throw one out for the other. We're growing the church together. And so when it says that you need to be together, you need to find out ways to be together. So when you can be together in the room, we're together like this in the room. But let me tell you, when we're online, and when we still have an online community, you have to figure out ways of togetherness even within those situations. And I think that's what the past two years has shown us, the importance of togetherness, whether it's physically together or together online, it's of utmost importance. There's times that people might object to a large church. You know, here at City, there's a thousand, about a thousand adults in this church. And so that's difficult to have fellowship with a thousand people, you know. And People could object to it and say it's too impersonal. But what we see here, when God started the church, he started it big. He started this church with 3,120 people, and then it soon was 5,000 people, and then it, was, it kept growing from there, it says. And so while it's so important to be together and worship together corporately like this, I learn from God's word together like this, it's so important for you to figure out ways within the big church to find your small church, to find deep fellowship with those that you can get to know personally, to do life together with. And so there's two incredible ways that you can do that. And we have these tools for you that I'd really want to encourage you. Two of the best ways that you can find this deepness of relationship and fellowship is number one, joining one of our serving teams. And honestly, this is a little reminder for you guys as you leave. Join one of our serving teams because you can find deep relationship and fellowship with a small group of people as you serve each other here in the context of this church. It's an incredible way of finding fellowship. And the other one is through our city groups. And I would say to you the best thing you can do, just find a group. We say find your tribe. It's so true to do life together with, to build deep relationship and fellowship with two of the best off ramps uh, to get that done so be together the second one to have fellowship we need to share together in the things of God you so uh, so often as Christians we can get together and we talk about 
what we saw on TikTok, and we talk about the weather, and we talk about the rugby sometimes, or sometimes we prefer not to, Brandon, you know, sometimes cricket, sometimes we talk about it, but a lot of the time we don't. South Africans are picky that way. We pick and choose what we speak about. <laughs> none of these things are bad, by the way. You know, none of these things are bad. But at some point in time when we're together, we need to be able to go a little bit deeper than that. Can I get an amen? Sometimes things need to go a little bit deeper. The conversation needs to go down into a little bit of a deeper a level than that. Because here's the thing. If God and the work that God's done in your life and the salvation that God's done in your life are important to you, it should be something that you're going to speak about when you're together. If that doesn't come up, maybe it's something that you need a question about whether God really does have uh, the center of your life. We need to be able to be together and move into some deeper conversations around what God has done and what God is doing and the salvation that he has worked in your life. As a side note, there's something to be said about fellowship and food. Did I get your attention? It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> I'm almost done. Fellowship and food, it's something, you know, these early Christians, they, they were eating together. And it wasn't these big feasts or anything like that. It was just their meals that they were having together. I think it's something so important for us to get back to. Uh, there's been times in, the, in this church where we've done really well at this, and I think COVID has robbed us a lot of this. I think it's something that we can get back to now is having people over in your house. Getting them in, and, and so often you hear people say, but my house isn't ready and it's not right and it's not big enough to have people over or uh, it's not tidy enough. Oh, can I get an amen? Listen. It's never going to be tidy enough. If you're waiting until your house is perfect to have people over, you're never going to have people over. Let me just tell you that right now. It doesn't matter. You just need to have people over. Get them over. Have a meal together. Direct the conversation to the things of God and His Word and what He's done in your life, and you'll find that together you're all going to be built up as you do that. Amen. Let's do it. Come on. Let's commit to this. The last one is that we must be generous. And we're running out of time. We don't have time to go into this uh, whole detail surrounding how they sold their possessions and had it distributed amongst uh, those in need and all of that. Uh, that's not for today. The, the principle that I want to take from here is generosity. You see, having a generous spirit, because when, when God gives to us, we need to be given to others. When God blesses us, we need to be blessing others. It's having a heart of generosity. It's imitating the generous heart of God who has so lavishly been generous to you and blessing other people in that same way. We need to be a people marked by the generosity of a God who saved us. Amen. All right. Is everybody still with me? Since I mentioned food, you all have your heads in the kitchen now. The last point, the last mark of a healthy church. A healthy church is marked by a continual devotion to mission. To mission. Now, it doesn't say in the text that they were marked by or devoted to evangelism as such. But the fact of the matter is that is exactly what was happening. It didn't happen apart from these new believers sharing their faith, sharing what God has done in their lives with people around them who did not know Jesus. Here's the thing. New Christians, brand new believers, are normally the best evangelist you can get because they're so passionate and 
fresh about what God has done in their lives. They also have the biggest pool of unbelieving friends, and those unbelieving friends can see that there's something different about me, and so you share what Jesus has done, and then they find Jesus, and it's this amazing thing. And no wonder the church went from 3,000 to 5,000 and grew. It's the best evangelists, and, and, and we need to be marked by a commitment to God's mission to the world like this. You know, some of the evangelism that we see here, some of the uh, sharing of what Jesus had done in their lives actually took place through miracles. It says that the apostles were able to perform miracles, uh, and, and, and then there was preaching that accompanied those miracles. And so people were being saved as these things were happening. I still believe miracles can happen today. God can still perform miracles, and he can use those miracles to turn people's attention to him and save them. So evangelism is primarily God's work, right? But he does it through us. He does it through you and me. It's Jesus who's building his church. It's Jesus who adds to his church all the time, those who are being saved. Uh, but we are responsible for sharing of the gospel. He works through you and he works through me. And the Lord, it says, yeah, he added new converts together with the church. And so God's plan is always to add to a local church those that he has saved. Helping people mature and grow as they move forward on their faith journey. How incredible that that is what we all get to be a part of. What we can sense from this is that a healthy church needs to be a reproducing church. I think there will be special times when God sovereignly performs miracles and hundreds or thousands of brand new converts could be added on a single day. What a day that would be. But I don't think that that would be the norm. But I think we should earnestly be desiring the Lord to continue to add to his local church those who he's saving. We get to be a part of that. We need to be passionate about that. If we're not passionate about it, if we're not passionate about people taking the step of salvation, coming to, into faith with Jesus Christ, you really need to ask yourself why. Because that is what Jesus wants to do, saved and added into a local church. Amen. Awesome. Well, the band can join me on stage as we wrap up this morning. We're just about out of time. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And how exciting it is that we get to be part of uh, this local church, uh, one that is devoted to God, one that is devoted to people, and one that is uh, devoted to mission. And uh, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray, and then we're going to sing one more time as we head out this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to say first and foremost, thank you so, so much that you said you are building your church, Jesus, and that not even the gates of hell will prevail against that. There's nothing that will stop the church from moving forward. And we want to say this morning that we're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that we just get to be a part of that. Thank you that it's within our hands, that you've put it within our hearts, that we can partner with you in the building and the establishing and the moving forward of your church on planet Earth. We're so grateful for it, Jesus. And so we ask that won't you be with us, won't you be with us as we choose to make a, a, a commitment to be continually devoting ourselves to you, Jesus, first of all, to worshiping you together and to your great mission to the world.
We're devoted to that. We say this morning, Jesus, we continually devote ourselves to that. And we pray, won't you move with us? Lord Jesus, as we go into 2022, as we move into Vision Sunday next week and move forward in everything that it has, that you have for us as a local church here in this part of the world in 2022, Lord Jesus, we say we're so excited to partner with you in all that you want to do. Won't you go with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's sing one more time before we go.